To another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. This will be an Oscar race checkpoint analyzing and commenting on the Gotham Award nominations, uh, the IDA and Cinema I shortlist, the Doc NYC shortlist, and we, well, I will review the uh, the film The Good Nurse by the end of it. It's going to be a solo pod today because unfortunately my co-host Mike One got sick. And unfortunately, my my guest host, uh, scheduled for earlier this week, got sick as well. That's David Long and Mike One. Uh, they both lost their voices. I tweeted that they would be Ann Ramsey and Catherine Hunter, respectively, the Mama Fratelli from the Goonies, and certainly one of the Crows from uh, the Tragedy of Macbeth there. Famous, grouchy, deep voices that actually it sounds like a better podcast now, probably a superior one to what you're getting now, <laughs> but uh, we did not charge forward. They did need to get their sleep and I do miss them and we do vow to reschedule that episode. That's where we're at. And I wanted to get you your awards talk fix one way or another today. The show must go on. I am heavily caffeinated. So yes, let's dive in. We will start uh, with these 30-second Gotham Awards presented by the Gotham Film and Media Institute. And the eligibility essentially boils down to films of 2022 made for under $35 million. And who votes on these nominees? Well, they do outline a few specifics in their bylaws there. And they say... Nominating committees are comprised of film and TV critics, journalists, film curators, festival programmers, and others not directly engaged in the production and distribution of the films. And then, in in terms of voting on who wins the Gotham Awards, they say that final selection juries and awards voting are frequently comprised of directors, writers, producers, editors, performers, directors of photography, and others directly associated with making the films. And then they specifically say executives of companies which release or sell films do not participate in these selections at any stage. So we're dealing with committees. I remember we dealt with smaller committees, I believe, at this award show in the past, but I think they've grown and you know, they've, they're a kickoff to this award season. So I'm excited to talk about these nominations at the Gotham's. Let's start with one of the more exciting categories, and that's Breakthrough Director. We got nominees Charlotte Wells of Aftersun, Owen Klein of Funny Pages, Elegance Bratton of The Inspection, and then uh, Antonetta Alamakusi, Janovich of Marina, Beth De Arajo of Soft and Quiet, and Jane Schoenbrunn of We're All Going to the World's Fair. Now, Mike and I have uh, reviewed Charlotte Wells and Aftersun, I believe I reviewed We're All Going to the World's Fair in the past. Those are both available after Sun is in limited release, and uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair is on HBO Max right now. Marina is available on demand for like four bucks. Mubi is eventually going to be the home for that, I believe. That's its distributor. Otherwise, we got Funny Pages on demand from A24 and The Inspection on demand from A24, and that makes three of the five A24 films. I'm always excited by this category because it showcases new talents and 
Mike One's going to beat this drum pretty hard. Directors are going to be a force, and filmmakers and auteurs are going to be more of a force in this industry going forward uh, based on him reading the tea leaves. So look who's been launched at the Gotham's in the past with this Bingham Ray Breakthrough Director Award. We have Maggie Gyllenhaal in 2021, Bo Burnham in 2018 from 8th grade there, Jordan Peele in 2017, Ryan Coogler back in 2013 out of uh, Fruitvale Station fame, Ben Zeitlin, Beast of the Southern Wild, and yes, he would get a director nominee uh, at a nomination at the Oscars, as well as the screenplay nom, that is. And D. Rees in t- 2011 from Pariah. So we have, out of the last 12 years, that's six very big names uh, for certain in this category. So let's let's keep an eye out for Charlotte Wells. Let's keep an eye out for Elegance Bratton. Those seem to be the Oscar contenders of the group. I do hear some fun things about Soft and Quiet. It's going to be a horror thriller streaming on November 3rd. That'll be available. I wonder why it's available after Halloween, but I'm excited to see that one. That looked like a cool premise. All right, so that's Breakthrough Director. We'll move on to the Breakthrough Performer category. We got Frankie Corio, also from After Sun. Limited release, like I said. Just reviewed her performance. Adore her role in this. She plays just the, the cutest kid who has to deal with some heavy stuff. Uh, with her father by the end of After Sun, but she does a beautiful job with her performance and her perceptiveness as a performer for certain. Uh, go back and listen to my review on After Sun. We have Callie Rays of Catch the Fair One. I reviewed this two Tribecas ago. Catch the Fair One is on AMC+. Plus. She is a UFC fighter turned actress. What a badass performance this is. It's a crazy movie. I don't know if it's Shutter or just straight up AMC Plus, but I believe IFC's behind it. Callie Rays is a future star. Put her in everything. Grazia Filpovich of Marina. She's on VOD, like I said. Got to see this one. Uh, Anna Jopp of Nanny. Breakthrough performer number four there. I saw her at Sundance in this film. It's due out in theaters November 23rd before eventually winding up on Amazon Prime. And and look, Nanny is quite the blend of drama and horror. It's very intense, and it rests entirely on Anna Jopp's performance. Uh, She's going head-to-head with Michelle Monaghan in many scenes, uh, who's the, uh, the mother of the girl she is looking after. And it's these are tense scenes uh, built on a, a, a plot that is very deep, especially in, a, in the horror elements. So that's that's quite the movie that that won Sundance in terms of uh, best narrative feature, I believe, the jury prize there. And finally, Anna Cobb, she's the fifth nominee here from We're All Going to the World's Fair. I think she was only 18 or 19 when filming this. Definitely a discovery. Definitely a type of screen life movie. If you guys like those, uh, going back uh, to. I forget the Russian director of uh, the Lincoln movie. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go on IMDb now and start looking up all these directors. But uh, we had uh, the guy who did the Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter turned into a screen life dude with the John Cho movie. Where's Mike when I need him? Anyway, screen life movies. We're all going to the World's Fair. An innovative way to do that. Definitely an intense way to discuss pandemic anxieties and and mental health uh, in this horror movie basically exists on your computer screen uh like i'm saying here i'm trying to say so that's a the indie worth watching before your halloween and you know let's let's look at this category's past because anna cobb anna jop grazia filpovich callie rays and frankie corio five women have 
which which is also very cool to see. They have quite the past winners group to be inspired by because Michelle Rodriguez, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Lee Pace, Amy Adams, Elliot Page, Felicity Jones, Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Anya Taylor-Joy, Timothy Chalamet, Elsie Fitcher, Taylor Russell, Kingsley Benadier, and Amelia Jones are all past winners of the Breakthrough Performer at the Gotham. So this is a star-studded history and a star-making award, it would seem. So let's certainly... uh, have a bright forecast for the, these five performers in terms of their career just based on their inclusion in this category. Uh, we'll move on to the best international feature at the Gotham's. And let's take this one seriously as well because Drive My Car won it last year. The Gotham's have broadened their viewpoint, their vantage point, their size, their scope. They are much bigger than they used to be when they started out. And, and look at these nominees. We have Athena, uh, which is on Netflix right now. The Banshees, I'm in a Sharon which is going to be a major contender in all categories, it seems, from Martin McDonough with Colin Farrell. We have Corsage, which I reviewed, I think, twice on, on this show with Vicky Creeps. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Decision to lead, leave Park Chan-wook could be a major contender in international feature at the Oscars. Happening, the former Golden Lion winner uh, in, in Venice. Uh, it was eligible last year for the Oscars, not this year. It lost out to Titan as the French selection. Otherwise, this year's French selection is Saint Omer, which played very well on the festival circuit thus far and is certainly uh, amongst uh, Decision to Leave and Corsage as major players in that international feature race, which let's look at this category for a second in terms of the big name festival winners or festival uh participants Alcaraz close EO Holy Spider Bardo Argentina 1985 all quiet on the Western Front uh, boy from heaven these are the the films that I've been noting up till now and that I want to make sure I see throughout this uh, race and 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 really into the winter we'll be watching international films as they debut later in the season but we got argentina 1985 debuted last week on amazon prime and we got all quiet on the western front that uh, is headed to netflix this weekend so we got a few more films that uh, that uh, we all can watch online and i would bang the table for for movies like girl picture one for the road i've seen them at the last two sun dances they've been selected this year from their respective company countries and i do think they should be in play i just saw another movie at my amc called uh, eternal spring this is an animated documentary which certainly intrigued me in all three categories much like flea did last year and an eternal Str- uh, spring is by a chinese-born filmmaker who's immigrated to canada this is canadian uh, canada's selection in the uh, international feature race it's about religious persecution in china and specifically the incident where uh falun gong hijacked the chinese television in a, in a certain area and basically broadcast a plea to acknowledge their religion as peaceful and to set the record straight about their spirituality and their religion under heavy persecution and, and with serious dire fatal consequences to many of their members who were caught after this hijacking it was a peaceful protest and it's quite the harrowing story much like flea was last year as a uh, documentary about refugees uh, uh, fleeing for a new life elsewhere and this is certainly an immigrant story it's certainly a political dissenter story a rebellious 
story and a, and a peaceful protest story that uh, it, it moved me. I don't know if it had the, the level of emotion that Flea did last year, but Eternal Spring packs a punch, so I, I will bang the table for it. Definitely a strong B grade uh, and a nice night at the cinemas for me. Uh, so, yeah, we got more films becoming available earlier this year, I think, than in years past as the country hopefully becomes more receptive to international films and and this will help the category overall so definitely a category to watch out for and to enjoy because some of the best films of every year for me have come from that category okay i'll move into best screenplay and and we got quite the the battle here uh todd fields tar and sarah polly's women talking those are the headline nominees for me. But I'm also excited to see Koganada's After Yang, James Gray's Armageddon Time, and a, a film I just watched on Amazon Prime, Lena Dunham's Catherine Called Birdie, which is a fun uh, coming-of-age story, definitely a fun de- uh, father-daughter story. It's an intense critique of the, of the time period and certainly the uh, uh, a fun feminist retrospective hopefully and hopefully not a fantastical one in many cases but probably a fantastical retrospective on the morals of that time so yes lena dunham's catherine called birdie i think i gave it a b minus it's it's very entertaining and and worth your watch i have not seen armageddon time yet after yang i've been wanting to rewatch. it's on showtime i may do so but to me this category really boils down to in screenplay Todd Fields Tar and Sarah Polly's Women Women Talking, which I was going to pose to Mike and David as potential frontrunners in their respective categories. So this is cool that Sarah Polly and Todd Field will go head to head at the Gotham's. Not something they're going to do very often, maybe at the Globes, but most best screenplay categories are broken into original and adapted, or at least most of them are. Uh, and we have. I think a chance for one of them to really get a significant boost here. Maggie Gyllenhaal won it last year, and that led to a nominee for her and and uh, the Eternal Daughter, the Eternal Daughter, the uh, the Lost Daughter, not the Eternal Daughter. The Eternal Daughter is Tilda Swinton this year, but uh, the Lost Daughter, which you know was a player for certain, perhaps launching its run at the Gotham's not perhaps it definitely launched its run at the Gotham's in a, in a major way I would say last year because it won the most awards at the of the night on the night and we do have that potential for tar at the very least here uh now obviously we have the field that's going to broaden in the screenplay categories Mike and I have touched on them a little bit thus far the Fablements is going to be a player in, in original screenplay you know you can go down the list there there are plenty of contenders banshees of inner sharon which is not eligible i don't believe in this one because this five at the gotham's is just american films going back through the nominees in the past five year, five or six years they've all been american films so no international films in this particular category we know international films will have a major place in this uh in the screenplay categories at the oscars they always seem to get a surprise nomination in there uh but i don't think martin mcdonough would surprise anybody if the banshees of an screenplay is nominated at the end of the day so that's something to watch for can tar get a boost here is this going to be similar to the writers guild nominees does that give uh 
Armageddon time and maybe after Yang a boost in those those respects. Uh, Catherine called birdie, perhaps as well. You never know. I think that's that's a fun thing to consider. Lena Dunham's been uh, she's been a star in the industry, and we we know how the writers branches love to nominate stars. So another intriguing category. Uh, we'll move on to outstanding supporting performance, and here he is. <laughs> Mark Rylance, the Christmas poo from Bones and All. I can't believe his voice in this. It's chilling, but it's bizarre. Uh, we have Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, of course, nobody's ever mistook his name uh, on this podcast uh, from Causeway. We have Gahui Kwan uh, from Everything Everywhere All at Once. He is my leader in supporting actor right now so i'm thrilled to see him here raul castillo in the inspection gabrielle union in the inspection nina hoss from tar noemi merlin from tar and hong chow from the whale this does answer my question about hong chow i believe she's going supporting and she was banging on the door a couple years back with that Matt Damon movie i believe oh downsizing thank god that came to my head so hong chow could could be uh, poised for a nomination. She was also great in that Brian Dennehy movie, Driveways, as well as American Woman. Um, so I think Hong Chow's been putting together back-to-back-to-back performances in these last few years, three out of these four last years, that I, that should have contended. And she may be in that mix this year from The Whale. We have Nina Haas, I think, is a sleeper to me she's put forward some incredible performances in the past uh 2014's phoenix uh 2020's my little sister that i saw during the pandemic was was an was one of the best performances of that year for me and uh she could be she could be a major player in supporting actress this year with a wide open category claire ford foy may have an inside track there we'll see uh with michelle williams moving into lead you never know gabrielle union a lot of buzz for her role in the inspection uh on the on the women's side but this is a cool category because it's 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 mixed gender it's gender neutral and uh we have gahui kwan going against nina haas in terms of their their oscars candidacies what will happen there i am uh i am very intrigued and and really you never know who's going to win we we've seen surprise winners in these categories in the past in terms of outstanding lead performance kate blanchett of tar danielle deadweiler of till dale dickey from a love song colin farrell after yang brendan fraser of the whale brendan fraser going against farrell and blanchett here paul mescal of after sun thandy newton of god's country aubrey plaza of emily the criminal taylor russell of bones and all and michelle yo of everything, everywhere, all at once, with the exception of Brandon Fraser's The Whale and Daniel Deadweiler's uh, performance until I have seen this field. And I would prob I would probably say Camp Kate Blanchett is far and away the the best. Oh my god, Colin Farrell's in here from after Yang and not the Banshees of an Inner Sharon. I I almost that that just went over my head. And yet I acknowledged as much because I said I saw everything but two, which is true because I saw after Yang, but I haven't seen Banshees yet. I'm still waiting that for that to come come around. I missed a few opportunities to see it thus far. Fascinating category, major Oscar contenders in the mix here. We saw Frankie Faison share the win last year with Olivia Coleman. Kind of cemented Olivia Coleman 
in terms of the uh, the Oscar nomination. And like I said, the Lost Daughters candidacy at that moment really, really started it off their campaign. Will Brennan Frazier get an early lead here or will we see the actor race heat up because Kate Blanchett just takes the category? This, I, I can't wait uh, for the Gothams to happen in November and for us to uh, to get the results on this one. This will be something to study and uh, project. We, we also want to take into consideration who is getting tributes at the Gotham Awards. We have Michelle Williams of the Fablemans. We have Adam Sandler of Hustle. Yes, I know it's been made light of that he has been in our Lord and Savior's top five on the Feinberg forecast. Uh, I loved the performance in Hustle. I would love to see it. Uh, if the lead actor category is as open as we all think, even though I do think it's fairly top-heavy now with Farrell and Fraser being the two out front leaders, let's just say, for the moment. Will that change? Should that change? We'll see. That's just my read on the buzz right now. I haven't seen either film, so I really probably should should just shut up. In terms of lead actress, I could confirm Clay Blanchett is as good as advertised. And like I said in previous episodes and on Twitter, I think she's better than at least all the lead actress winners since since the favorites, Olivia Coleman. Yes, I think you could put her up against Fern's Frances McDormand performance, but I, I think she's better than the rest, and it's one of her best performances. And it's not the showy performance that you'd think she would give in Tar. It, it's much more nuanced, and I think it's an actor's actor's performance well, which should bode well for, for SAG, etc. So that is the outstanding lead category. We'll move into best feature, and you got to love... You gotta love the Gothams, because we got two just deep cut picks. Didn't show up anywhere else, but After Sun, everything, everywhere, all at once, and Tar. You would expect them to be there. Why isn't Women Talking here? Why isn't Bones and All here? Why isn't The Whale here? Does that hurt them in terms of their Oscars candidacy as well? No, I don't think so. In the past, you've looked at big-name movies that wind up doing fine in terms of their Oscar nominations, not get a Gotham Best Feature nom. This isn't a collective bunch, and you got to love them for their taste. But Tar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, After Sun, this is a boost for those three films. The Cathedral and Dos Estaciones are the other two films. The Cathedral was... I believe it's a, a movie release. It's about a family in the 1980s. And I think it's related to the AIDS epidemic. Yes. So I'm just looking it up on just looking it up on Wikipedia right now. It has not gotten a wide release, but hopefully movie will put it on its streaming service soon. And then Dos Estaciones was a big hit at Sundance. Been waiting for that one to come out. So we'll have to wait and see. Maybe that'll be a Film Independent Spirit Award contender as well. So that is the Best Feature category. I'm not going to do the deep dive into that necessarily. I'm a little upset Bones and all didn't get the nod, but uh, I'm glad a couple performers got in from there. I'm, I'm a little worried that Till, but like I said, don't read too far into that. We've seen a lot of big-name movies that wind up wound up with Oscar noms just get snubbed at the Gotham. So we'll finish kind of with two segments. One will 
piggyback on the Gotham noms because I'll start with the documentary feature category at the Gothams. And I, I want, I'm going to talk about the Gotham Awards. I'm going to harken back to the Critics' Choice Documentary Award nominations. We're going to mention the Doc NYC shortlist. And I'm also going to mention the long list. They're really long lists, even though they call themselves shortlists from the Cinema Eye Honors and the IDA Awards. Uh, those aren't official nominees yet, but we got a 25 film list from IDA and we got a we got two 15 film lists from the Cinema Eye Honors. One is a Unforgettables list and the other is an audience list. But let's start, like I said, with the documentary feature category at the Gothams. And last year, guys, all five nominees made the Academy shortlist, and three got nominated. Flea beat Summer of Soul at the Gothams uh, in, in this particular year. Otherwise, American Factory, OJ Made in America, Citizen Four, they all won first at Gotham before winning the Oscar. So do not ignore the Best Doc Feature category at the Gothams, even though many of these films did not show up at the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards necessarily. And the first of those is All That Breathes. Now, All That Breathes just played at New York. Doc NYC, IDA shortlist, both lists at Cinema Eye Honors. So All That all that Breathes has a strong candidacy. And here's the plot premise. Amidst the darkening backdrop, backdrop of Delhi's apocalyptic air and escalating violence, two brothers devote their lives to protect one casualty of the turbulent times, the bird known as the Black Kite. So that seems like a nature documentary. I hear a lot of good things. I have a screening set for November, mid-November, I believe, maybe early November, I forget, which is why I did skip this at New York. I had a, a chance to choose between two films. I did not choose All That Breathes because I knew I was going to be able to see it later. Uh, and another one of those films is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which was a centerpiece at New York. And again, sometimes I would jump at all these documentaries earlier in the year. I actually backed away from them because I, I knew they're more readily available to me uh, later in the fall. And All the Beauty and the Bloodshed will hit theaters on November 23rd. Quite the candidacy already and a bit of a roller coaster. We just mentioned, Mike and I, that All the Beauty and the Bloodshed was snubbed in terms of the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards Best Feature category. But All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, you may remember, won the Golden Lion at Venice. That's very rare for a documentary to win that. Uh, it will. Uh, it was the centerpiece at the New York Film Festival. And yes, Doc NYC, IDA, both Cinema Eye honor lists include All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. So technically, if you consider it's two nominations at uh, the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, one which is Best Director, so it's no slouch over there, even though it got snubbed in the Best Feature category. It has shown up everywhere, and its candidacy is strong. Uh, we'll move on to the other three nominees. I Didn't See You There. It'll air on PBS in January. I have not seen this documentary many places, so let me read its plot premise for I Didn't See You There. Uh, and that reads, Spurred by the spectacle of a circus tent that goes up outside his Oakland apartment, a disabled filmmaker launches into a meditative journey exploring the history of freakdom, vision and invisibility shot entirely from director reed davenport's physical perspective mounted on his wheelchair or handheld the film serves as an unequivocal rebuke to the norm of disabled people being seen and not heard uh, i didn't see you there expands on the tradition of point of view cinema by incorporating a disabled aesthetic generated through davenport's own embodiment so 
quite the powerful premise uh, and a seemingly a film just very necessary to catch during this season. Like I said, probably going to be catching up on documentaries into the winter. And if you are, PBS, I didn't see you there. We have The Territory from Nat Geo. Many people love this during the festival season. I know our buddy Matt Negley at Next Best Picture, one of his favorites from Sundance, I believe, going all the way back. But The Territory is from Nat Geo. It did have a limited theatrical run in August. I, I did miss it, unfortunately. It's another one I have a screening for this November. And it's hopefully headed to Hulu or Disney Plus soon for all of you. IDA, Cinema Eye, lists. Uh, the territory, it's included on those. And here's the premise. When a network of Brazilian farmers seizes a protected area of the Amazon rainforest, a young indigenous leader and his mentor must fight back in defense of the land and an uncontacted group living deep within the forest. In defense of the uncontacted group, that is. So that's the territory. We have what we leave behind to finish off this Gotham Noms 5 of What We Leave Behind, The Territory. I didn't see you there. All the beauty and the bloodshed and all that breathes. To remind you guys again, I'm, I'm taking my time going through this to give you the premises, but What We Leave Behind is another one that the Gothams are highlighting. And this is special because this film has not been awarded beyond the film festival circuit. It is not included in either the short list that, or long list that I'm mentioning today, not included in Doc NYC. So What, what We Leave Behind has a plot premise that reads after a lifetime of bus rides to the u.s to visit his children julian quietly starts building a house in rural mexico in filming his work his granddaughter crafts a personal and poetic love letter to him and his homeland so those are the five from the gothams and like i said ignore them at your peril despite or in spite of their inclusions or snubs elsewhere uh i will discuss the doc nyc shortlist now and look i think the doc nyc shortlist is touted as being pre predictive by people that we trust and certainly hopefully that you follow ann thompson who came on our show in the past out of indie wire she just talked about how this list is very predictive on the screen talk episode the latest one there so let's look at these nominees and uh take them seriously for sure all that breathes all the beauty and the bloodshed bebo which i just watched on hulu very strong really great cinematography she did a tremendous job just shooting this as a film student and then shooting this throughout her early 20s great cinematography <laughs> and, and shot on film for that matter so bebo check it out it's now on hulu descendant which is now on netflix mike and uh well andrew and i reviewed this uh, two episodes ago in our New York Film Festival finale, where Andrew attended that screening and where I, you know, I attended my screening uh, the, the, the few days later anyway for Descendant. Fire of Love, The Jane's Last Flight Home, Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues, which is coming soon on Apple TV+. And then Moonage Daydream, Navalny, Retrograde, and The Return of Tanya Tucker featuring Brandy Charlie. Now, this is a 12-film shortlist. And the Doc NYC shortlists have gone as large as 15 in the past. Last year, 10 of the 15 were shortlisted at the Academy. Uh, we had 15 in the Academy shortlist, so two-thirds of those made it. On the contrast, only five of the 12 Critics' Choice Documentary Award nominees and Best Feature got shortlisted by the Academy. However... 
four of those five became Oscar noms. So go figure. I mean, the Critics' Choice hit on the big movies, but it didn't necessarily hit on the quantity of films. I am not going to be able to do those stats for the Cinema Eye Honors or certainly the IDA Awards, at least not yet with the long list stage. But those will come out in terms of their tens their, uh, and, and their uh, nominees. I believe it's five from IDA, and I, I can vote on that. I'm a member. Otherwise, Cinema Eye, you'll see those awards coming out shortly as well, especially uh, the nominees. Now, five films got both Critics' Choice and the Doc NYC shortlist selection. That's Descendant, Fire of Love, The Janes, Moonage Daydream, and Navalny. And only two of those wound up on all four of these. Choice, Doc, NYC, IDA, and Cinema Eye, or at least it's eligible in those the, the latter two, IDA and Cinema Eye, because, again, their, their list didn't come out yet. But Fire of Love and Navalny, based on the resumes, have the strongest candidacies right now. Navalny, perhaps my favorite film at Sundance, which is now on HBO Max. Fire of Love, very intense visual experience with a lot of archival footage shot at volcanoes. And uh, it's a it's a French film narrated by uh, an American actress, but it's a French language, French subjects, that is. I believe it was just playing theatrically for a while, and it's coming soon to Disney+. Plus. I wonder if they're delaying that because it's playing well theatrically. I think it's made some decent money. And again, we've seen an uptick in documentary feature box office, Moonage Daydream. Got over $10 million or something like that already. Uh, the David Bowie doc, which I sung the praises of very strongly, that it broke my heart that uh, Ann Thompson did not think it was gonna, it was gonna cross over with the Academy. They don't typically quote unquote go for those, but we shall see. Hopefully, they will give Brett Morgan the nod at the end of the day. Very uh, just a killer documentary from him. And I am not necessarily a big fan of his going back. So this was a cool way for him to win me over with Moonage Daydream. So that is a look, convoluted one, though it is at the documentary feature category. I will finish with a quick few odds and ends before signing off. And first of all, Mike and I definitely want to have a full discussion on the news from Warner's where James Gunn and Peter Saffron just became the DC co-CEOs. Mike and I have been texting on it quite a lot, and I will tease my own thoughts and questions that I've texted Mike thus far, because I'm wondering what this hire means for the Joker and Battinson franchises. We have Matt Reeves with the Batman, made an $800 800000000-ish. They're probably going to go forward with a trilogy for the Batman. We have Joker 2, Folly Ado, after a billion-dollar debut with the Joaquin Phoenix Joker trilogy. That was a huge smash hit in 2019. You would figure he has carte blanche to make three films at least. So seems like they're going to pursue those two franchises, and those two franchises seem separate from the James Gunn, Peter Safran, DCEU, which, based on... Just the recent history of how many franchises are in play here, and certainly the the two guys who are handling this. Peter Saffron is a DCEU guy, and James Gunn just became a director in the DCEU based on Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. So those are two, well, that's one franchise of the potential seven currently 
established now with the DCEU. And, and number two is Wonder Woman, Shazam, three, Aquaman, four, Black Adam, five now, Superman, six, The Flash being the seventh, based on word of mouth that that could potentially be a really a hit film. Now, will he get another standalone film after he's recasted? Who the hell knows? Will the Suicide Squad continue at all without Margot Robbie, or will that spin off and more into the Peacemaker side of things that uh, has been, you know, a big hit on HBO Max from James Gunn? That is so they're they're seemingly very happy with James Gunn's work despite the pandemic era box office lull that was the Suicide Squads. But we do have we do have the WBs. DCEU alive and ready and seemingly supported at this stage perhaps even more so than the Batman and Joker I don't know what to make of this hire unless they're going to lean more into the DCEU side of things and that's certainly something I'm echoing uh, from the text of Mike One that he's kind of convinced me of the last few days and something I didn't necessarily realize I didn't realize how many active DCEU franchises they have that probably deserve trilogies based on box office and I think Black Adam's going to deserve a second film certainly and it's going to be a crossover we know well, we shall see how they handle it so that's the first odds and end or odd and ends I don't know how to pronounce that but the second is a make the case segment a very quick one on the good nurse the good nurse is now on netflix starring eddie redmayne and jessica chastain i'm not as big of a fan of eddie redmayne's performance he's in a lot of people's fives for supporting actor and yet i i'm forced to put him only in my top 10 right now not in my five because it's a terribly loud scene that nearly disqualifies the entire thing for me the entire film, that is, never mind his performance. It's uneven. Yes, maybe I have an issue with volume in my movies and I can't handle somebody just screaming in my face for, for a scene or three or whatever. Shout out to Pearl, which if anybody can scream in my face and still have me like the film, it's me a goth, but uh, that was terrifying. Anyway, Eddie Redmayne's in a similar way, very creepy, very, very scary. He's got one of those scenes in The Good Nurse, and it's just I don't typically see that nominated at the Oscars, so I would be surprised if he goes the distance from The Good Nurse. As for Jessica Chastain, I mean, she's going to have a top 20 performance with almost anything she does. I think this is a, a nice follow-up to the eyes of Tammy Faye for her if you if you go past the forgiven or whatever i know people didn't like that movie i didn't see it yet i, I heard it sucks <laughs> but whatever but jessica chastain is excellent in this and her her performance impressed me more in the good nurse than red mains did she's doing a lot of the heavy lifting yes she looks a little too suspicious in the trailers but it's measured out fairly well in the good nurse so as a performance piece this is still very strong as a story it's it sucks you in. There's no question about it. It deals with a lot of themes and subject matter of uh, healthcare system corruption and failure, not unlike greats of the past, like the verdict. So this is a solid BB minus watch here, but probably not an Oscars player. Anyway, it's a bit of a shorter episode today. I can't believe I did it shorter uh i usually just go an hour on these solo pods as well but you, you if you can hear my voice tiring 
God, it's even more pronounced in the editing room, so I better stop now. What's coming next at Mike, Mike, and Oscar, like I said, is the scaries. It is the Oscars betting update with David Long, the Duke of Bettingham himself, uh, a name coined by our friend Andrew Morgan of Recent Activity and what's on Netflix. Go back and listen to his and I's finale on the New York Film Festival. Go back to listen to my fast past few episodes with Mike talking about Black Adam in the last episode if you want to review of that and of uh, a lot of industry news that Mike and I touched on from Netflix and WB. Otherwise, you guys know where to find us on social media. We are at MM and Oscar on Twitter, where we are most active. Otherwise, we are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, and at Gmail. Definitely let us know your comments, your questions, your thoughts. We always like to go back and forth with you on those. Let me know what you think of The Good Nurse. Let me know what you think of these Gotham nominations and who might win and what races certainly intrigue you. Our DMs are open, and we're always glad to talk. So that's it. That's a solo pod today. I am also Mike, and uh, glad to be a part of this duo, making award season year-round without the stuffiness. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We'll see you next time.